Hello, and welcome to Playability, where we hold conversations at the crossroads of gameplay and accessibility. I'm your host, Lauren Woolsey, and I'm here today with Catherine Stipple, the designer of one of the most anticipated games of the summer, Nyctophobia. What is this game's backstory? So, Nyctophobia, the word, means fear of the dark. And the way you play it is all but one player plays the game with a blindfold on, with blackout glasses, so they can't see the board. And that came about because I have an uncle that's blind, and I wanted to play games more easily with him and more accessibly for him. So I decided one day I was just going to make a game that everyone was blind, so it didn't matter. I'm glad you've already brought up accessibility. It's one of the key topics we focus on here at Playability. What does accessibility mean to you? I think when we're playing games with him, like, there's always has to be some sort of altercation to the game that he's playing so that he can play. And I think that detracts some of the fun and the ease that he can just jump right into games. So I think accessibility is just being able to enjoy the game that everyone else is playing, in a way. Yeah, making the game work for everyone. And this takes on that idea in a new way, for sure. You've described the blindfolded players, which is certainly a memorable aspect of the game. But what would you say is the primary mechanisms or mechanism that players use during nyctophobia? It's tactile, if that can be its own mechanism. And then it's cooperative, too. I am a fan of cooperative games for sure, and this is a really innovative example of them. With the inspiration behind the game, we've already heard a bit about how your biggest goal was to make this accessible to the blind community. But what other decisions did you make in the game design process with different forms of accessibility in mind? Were there any other things that came up? Well, since you're playing the game blind, you don't have to focus on like colorblind issues because no one can see, so it doesn't matter. In my prototype versions, I've had all of the different player pieces coded with different tactile tops so you could tell your piece apart when you're feeling. But also I had put in colors on top so that the one-sided player could quickly look at the colors. But in the actual published version that's coming out, it's all just black and white color schemes, so all that color has just gone away. And it doesn't really have an impact on gameplay, so that that was partially some other accessible stuff. Ah, right. You mentioned the prototypes. And I remember seeing this game and meeting you at Unpub a year or two ago. It was already one of the more memorable prototypes at that convention. I don't even know if I got a chance to play because the table was always full. Yeah. I'm sure what you brought at that point was somewhere in the middle of development from inception all the way to production. Can you go through with us the major steps you took in the development, especially of the board? So the physical board, it's a 3D board. So when players move across the board, they're not going to fall over, things like that. So the very first physical prototype I made was out of cardboard with holes ripped in it. And then it moved up to wood. And wood was an interesting thing to play test with because I had to make sure everything was sanded down really well so no one was getting splinters while they were playing because that wouldn't be fun for anyone. And then we updated it to, I learned how to make 3D models. So I was able to get access to 3D printers and been able to update the board that way. In, in terms of just like the actual board itself, that's what the stages it's gone through. That's a cool journey into materials that many game designers never have to make. Now that the game's complete, what would you say is your favorite part of Nyctophobia? I like, it's sort of a weird part because it's not really exactly part of the game, but at the end of the game, whether you've won or lost, and all the players take off their blindfold glasses and see the board for the first time, and everyone just replays the game in their head like, oh, this was the dead end I got caught in, or here was when we met up. 
or here's when I got attacked the first time. And like the just the recollection of the game that just went down with a totally different perspective has been one of the really cool moments watching. That seems very rewarding. In terms of playing this with anyone visually impaired, I've assumed you've played with your uncle quite a bit since he was the big inspiration for the game itself. Yeah. Have you been able to play with anyone else who is blind? Um, We've always been trying to get uh, friends that my uncle has in the blind community, but I'm also a college student, so I'm only home half of the year or so. So it's hard to match up our schedules together, but we're still trying to get some more blind people to play it out. It's impressive that you've been able to make such a phenomenal game while you're in school. I look forward to all of your future designs. Now, since you have spent more time thinking about this perspective than a lot of other designers, I'd like to ask you, if you had to give advice to publishers that are making a wide range of games, if you had to tell them something that would help make them more accessible for the blind or visually impaired, What steps would you suggest that they take or at least start to think about during game development? Um, I think just, well, you have like, not everyone is completely blind. So you can do things with font sizes and making sure that's proper good so that you can see it across the table and things like that. I think there's not, like I made a game that's completely blind that you can play. But I think just like, even in terms of, just making pieces feel different sizes, like different money denominations. You can easily make the ones small and the tens really big and things like that are really simple of just being aware of sizes in the actual physical components to represent amounts. Yeah, those do seem like fairly simple changes, especially with currencies in games, which would benefit a whole wide range of players. So as long as publishers have a better awareness of these topics and a better understanding of and focus on accessibility, those should be fairly doable. Yeah. I'm curious, what other games are you working on right now since Nyctophobia is now a reality? I have a small dexterity-esque game called Foliage, where all the players are caterpillars floating on leaves in the wind. So um, it's a spatial game, and you're trying to move your leaf around the board to try and eat leaves to become the most beautiful butterfly at the end. Sounds fun. Have you thought about these topics of accessibility and inclusion as you've been developing that game? Yeah, so I have my prototype artwork I have is all fall colored themed. So with fall colors, though, I have a lot of reds and greens. And I know with red, green color blindness, I've been aware of making sure color coding or double coding things with different shapes so that you can still notify I'm using this portion of the card because of the shape. I've been a lot of awareness of that. Recently, it does seem to be a much wider push throughout the gaming community to double code colored components that affect gameplay, though there are still plenty of games coming out that haven't done that. Yeah. We're planning to have a whole episode of playability on colorblindness in the future. I'm really excited for that conversation, so stay tuned. Bringing it back to Nyctophobia as we wrap up, this episode is going to air shortly after Gen Con, and Nyctophobia should be available for purchase. Where will our listeners be able to get a copy of your game? Yeah, there's actually two versions of Nyctophobia coming out. You have Nyctophobia the Hunted, which is like your normal friendly local game store release type of thing. And then you have Nyctophobia the Vampire Encounter, which is going to be a Target exclusive. So you can get it at a Target then. Will those two versions contain different scenarios where having both would let you get a fuller experience of the game? Or will there be a whole lot of overlap? Yeah, so they're different enough, but they're also compatible together, I guess, yeah. 
I think a lot of people are going to be excited that Nyctophobia is now available. I'm pretty sure you had a demo at Origins? Yeah, Pandasaurus was demoing over at Origins, yeah. Thank you again to Catherine Stipple for coming on Playability to talk about Nyctophobia with us. For more information about Nyctophobia, please see the About This Episode section on our website at playabilitypod.com. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at playabilitypod at gmail.com and find us on major social media platforms as at playabilitypod. Thanks for listening, and I hope this episode helps you play with a new perspective. Perspective.